Merry Christmas, church. <laughs> Open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 2. Wow, what a great way to kick off the morning. Yay, God, another one is in the family. I almost said another one bites the dust. I don't know why that came up. I guess in essence she did. <laughs> Raised to walk in some brand new life. Before we get started, though, I'd like to ask you to bow. Lord, thank you for once again allowing us to see that the gospel still matters. Thank you for the tender heart of Elaine as she said yes to your son this morning. Uh, thank you, Father, for the renewal uh, in our hearts uh, of our own times when we have said yes to Jesus Christ and were immersed and uh, left our, our sins in that water and uh, welcomed your Holy Spirit to come inside. Please uh, do that again through this message, through, through, that, through the songs we're about to offer you a little bit later. Uh, but we want to ask, would you come be with us? Would you come work in us and through us for each other so that we might be built up to take this incredible message of our incredible Savior to the world? Uh, we are so blessed to be here today. And we, just, we have every right to say thank you to you uh, for the air that we breathe, for what brought us here to this place, for the clothes that we have, the food that we not only have eaten but will. So many things that we're grateful for, God. But none of that matters without what your Son has done for us. And so we've come to say thank you. We know we're not the only ones, and so we also lift up First Baptist Church this morning as those disciples there are doing their best to remember the reason for this season. And uh, we uh, ask that you continue to knit our hearts together as together we proclaim the message of your son's coming and his dying and you raising him and him coming again. We ask all this in Christ's name and everybody said, man, I know it can just be trite introduction, but we really do want to welcome you here. If uh, this is the first time for you to visit KCC for any reason, uh, if it's because you're here with family because of the holidays, if someone has uh, loved on you and said, you just got to come be a part of a group of folks who is helping um, me not only uh, know a Savior, but live a life in this world that's second to none, uh, we're glad you're here. And uh, we want you to understand that we're, we love Christmas. As Michael got up here with the enthusiasm that he did, we just love Christmas around here. And there's a reason for that. The unimaginable happened. God himself came here and became one of us. That's just stunning. All the way one of us. Going as far as being conceived in a woman's body. Being birthed into the hands of an anxious first time dad. And once that that child was born, Joseph places this child on Mary's chest for the very first time. And you know it had to stun this is going to be the Savior of the world, and I get to hold him. I get to raise him. I get, I get to be called mom by him. And all of that happened, we believe, in time and in space a couple of thousand years ago. And it just absolutely changed everything, even if you don't believe. And there's, there's a couple of folks maybe here today that say, no, I'm just not buying this virgin birth thing. I'm not buying, buying this baby God thing. Even if you don't believe, you still date your checks because of this child's birth. He rocked the world when he rocked that cradle. He's changing the world still. And so we celebrate this. Now, interestingly enough, there are dozens and dozens of movies that may never once mention Jesus, but that have been made for this time of the season because of the joy and the wonder and the love that somehow or another 
We just seem to be more full of this time of the year than any other time. Some of you have your favorite Christmas movies, maybe from Christmas Vacation to Elf, or It's a Wonderful Life, or Miracle on 34th Street. But there's tons of movies that have been made that some way or somehow captured the significance of Jesus and what he's done for our world, even when his name's never mentioned. It hit me the other day, though, that there's this common theme that seems to be in all of these movies that's repeated over and over again. See if you've caught this. It's about either a person or a group of persons who are absolute misfits, who live on the margins, and who are excluded for some reason. However, by the end of the movie, they become amongst the included. Even the, the lauded, maybe even the applauded. Buddy the Elf is one of my favorites. Anybody seen Buddy already this year? Anybody going to see Buddy? You better get that in. Buddy's a misfit among humans, and he was even a, a misfit among his own elves. Then there's this guy, Ebenezer Scrooge, the grumpy old fella who nobody has on their Christmas card list. Nobody, even though this guy has tubs of money. Then there's this guy, Kevin. He's a smart-mouthed little boy who gets banished to the attic because of his poor attitude, but instead of spending a night alone, he ends up spending a vacation alone for his misdemeanors. Then there's this ultimate misfit, my favorite, Cousin Eddie. We know he sleeps in the RV. That there's an RV. And the Griswold family's thrilled because they don't want him in the house, and neither would you. But here's the guy, of all the outcasts I could put up on the screen today, who probably impacted me the most when I was growing up. His name's Rudolph. You know Rudolph. He's the reindeer that all the other reindeer laughed and refused to let him play. He's the reindeer who never got to be in any of the reindeer games. And he was such a misfit that he gets banished to the island of misfit toys. That's exactly right. You know the story. You've seen it. And it made an impact on me even when I was young about how difficult it is for some of us to fit in anywhere. And maybe just like Rudolph, you walked in here this morning, and this is a little bit strange for you. You don't fit here very well. And all I want to say is, as best as I can, is, yeah, you do. More than you could ever imagine. And if I miss any point in this lesson, that's the, that's the, the most important point that I want you to get. It is for misfits just like us that this baby came. In Luke chapter 2, we begin to see where this idea of the excluded being included actually began. In Luke chapter 2, a, century, a first century follower of Jesus describes two misfits that are about to have their first child. And here's some of the context before we get to this particular text. Mary and Joseph have had this incredibly extraordinary visit from a very, in a very ordinary time in their lives. They're just getting ready to get married. But there's an announcement that comes to Mary and then to Joseph that says, well, you're not just going to get married, but you're going to have a child even though you've never slept together. That's where all this starts. Now fast forward the calendar about nine months and Mary and Joseph have been forced to travel to a town of Bethlehem, the city of David, for a government-required census. And when they arrive there, there's no rooms in any of the hotels and so they wind up in a storage place for animals. Interesting. We've mostly referred to that as a barn. There are some who say, no, it really was a cave. Well, you know what? Whatever you want to call it, Mary would have called it unacceptable. 
conditions here were far than less than ideal. They were unacceptable, which had to absolutely stun her, knowing the angel said, I'm about to give birth to the Son of God, and it's taking place in a barn? Really? No angelic midwives appear? No heaven-sent epidurals? Just a young first-time mom and dad in less than ideal conditions having a baby. This is where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 2. Camera lens moves from a barn where Joseph is tearing his robe up to make, sh- to make some towels and about to bring some water to a bowl to a pasture outside of Bethlehem where some shepherds are cooking dinner over a fire and laying out bedrolls. Here's where the text starts. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. That's not too startling. And there were some shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Let me hit the pause button there for a moment, because I don't know what you think of when you hear shepherds, but probably it's a little bit more gift cardish than actually reality. Because history records, these guys were definitely blue-collar, work-with-your-hands, outdoorsy guys who were more Carhartt than they were Calvin Klein. They drove pickups more than they did convertibles. These guys preferred tractor pulls over tennis matches, all right? But that's not even the degree in which these five guys were seen that I think fits this scene and is a little bit shocking. In their day, shepherds were the misfits of their society. They were not what moms wanted their children to aspire to when they grew up. One writer said this about them. They were on the second rung up from the bottom of the ladder of society, second only to those who were tax collectors, prostitutes, and lepers. I didn't know that till this week. I just thought they were farm boys. I just thought they were kind of blue-collary guys. But no, they really weren't that respected at all. As a matter of fact, they were so disparaged in society that they weren't allowed to testify in court because their reputation was so shady. Didn't know that till this week, which makes me smile. And God would choose them. God would choose them to make the announcement of his son's birth to this group of misfits. That's what Luke says. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were absolutely terrified. Who wouldn't be? But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that is going to cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, this is going to be a sign to you that you found him. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Randy Alcorn says that's shocking. A handful of shepherds marginalized by the social religious elite were chosen to break the silence of the centuries heralding the Messiah's birth. Now, I just threw that in for you folks who have master's degree or better, okay? For the rest of us, that means the chances of an angel interrupting the telling of an off-color joke with these shepherds was pretty high. The only personal invitation, however, that's ever made for people to come visit God in a manger was extended to these shepherds. And I can't express it in a week that's just been full of craziness getting ready for our kids to come. That just rocked me. Just rocked me. Misfits who lived on the margin, those who are the outcast of their society, are allowed to come and have a first face-to-face visit with God before anybody else. Why? Of all people, why them? And I think I found the answer. It's a little bit later in Jesus' life. 
when he reveals what his mission is? I thought it was launched then and actually began when he was born. You know the missing. To seek and save the who? Lost. If you'll permit me, to seek and save the less. To seek and save the left out. To seek and save the left over. To seek and save the not enough. To seek and save the unacceptable. I'm going to put it this way. Jesus came to include the excluded. And that stuns. In this world, that just doesn't happen often. Jesus came, however. God himself in the flesh came to include all those who were excluded. And what better way to launch a mission than to invite a group of ragtag shepherds who are just that. To meet in person the Savior of the world. Yay, God. Yay, God, that he would start his mission that way. Now, the angels go on to announce that he's going to be not just somebody. He's going to be Savior of all people. Now, that's, that's even more good news because for me, it could just stop right there. You mean to tell me that my moral performance or my racial heritage or my economic standing or my educational achievement doesn't tip the scales in my favor for God? And the answer is no, it doesn't. Pure need does. If Elaine meant what she said well ago, she needs a savior. And so she was willing to die for that today. Publicly, go public with that confession. I, I can't do this on my own. Not because of my education, not because of my heritage, not because of my skin color, not because of the money I have in the bank, but because I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And any one of us who like her, who've been to a baptistry like this or in the ocean somewhere or a river somewhere, we said that we can't do this. And our faith is in what Jesus was able to do, not we're able to do. God's coming to bless my life wasn't tied to me being on anybody's nice list rather than a naughty list. Now, Santa may give gifts that way. And maybe even some of us give gifts that way. We give them to those who are nice, not the naughty ones. But I want you to understand something. That's the Kris Kringle story. We're talking about the Christ story, and it's a different story. You see, Christ story is based in grace. Christ story is for all people, those in prison and those who are not. The announcement of a Savior is for broken people, abused people, flawed people, handicapped people, condemned people, unqualified ragamuffins like you and me. Now, if anybody knows what a ragamuffin is, it's me because I look at him every time I brush my teeth in the morning. And I'm looking at a room full of ragamuffins just like me. And God sent his son to save us from us. And the angel says that's good news. I'm afraid sometimes I don't live very much like it. Because I forget how needy I am. God wouldn't let me forget this week. He wanted me to remember Jesus came to include the excluded. And there's been a time, at least in every one of our lives here, we've experienced what it means to be excluded. But nothing like what it will be like when we stand before God. And if we do not have Jesus Christ as our Savior, we will have never experienced excluded like that. Oh, just thank you, God, that you didn't leave us to have to figure that out ourselves, that you came in the flesh to a group of misfits like us to say, all of you, 
get the invitation. Now, I'm not going to pretend I know how difficult a year that you've had. I don't. I'm not going to pretend that you may not have had several connected tough years. Because I don't know if you have. I don't know if you've had just literally, if we were categorizing people, one of the toughest lives ever any human has ever lived. But I can say this. This Savior came for all of us. All of us. So please know if you're visiting here, you're welcome here in this group of ragamuffins because we needed a Savior. And that's part of why we gather every week. And some folks say, that's an awful lot to get together. But we need reminded that He came to include the excluded. Because there's a lot about that world that's going on out there that tends to push us to the margins. Even though we might think we're in, we get pushed out. Even though we might think we're in here, we get pushed out again. And Jesus says, I promise you, nothing will push you out of this family. Nothing. That's the best gift I could offer you this summer, this, this Christmas season. I read it again in my devotions this week. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one who's righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Could you be a little bit clearer, God, about what it's like for those who don't have Christ as their Savior. That's it. That's it. How do I rank in God's eyes without Jesus? There you go. That's tough news. That's not good news. That's tough news to hear. And every time I read this story and I see God, God intervening and God working, it's always almost always in the midst of some really difficult news, some really difficult circumstances, because left to ourselves, that's where we go. That's where we take ourselves and our families and our jobs and our careers and our character and our reputations. We, we just make a mess of things. But God, God, at just the right time, sent His Son, born of a virgin, to begin the salvation process. And we got to see the under end of it today. Not just in Jesus giving his life, not just in Jesus being resurrected, but sharing that news to those who needed it. And them saying yes. And that can be you, my friend. That can be you. Because we're all in need of a Savior. The sportsmen's are trying to give gifts differently. And we're trying to do that out of a sense of grace rather than a sense of service for our kids, for our friends. And you know what? That's been a shift. Because most of my life I have I've received gifts because of something that I've done. Rarely because of just just because. And God's teaching me that there's a whole different way of giving that really has nothing to do with service but has more to do with that word right there, grace. And I think at the heart of Christmas, that's what we're celebrating. None of us deserve this gift that came in a little baby, but he sent it anyway. Now, mercy's a wonderful thing. That, that's, that's, that's a wonderful thing. If I get stopped by a policeman and I get to see those red lights in my rearview mirror and he pulls me over and I've been doing 55 and a 45 here on Holsworth and he says, Listen, slow it down, and gives me a warning. We call that mercy. Wonderful mercy. But can I show you what grace 
has been this November for a community of people? Some Christ followers got a hold of the police department and said, would you do us a favor? And for one week solid, would you give something to some people? When you pull them over to give them a ticket, rather than a ticket, would you give them a warning and would you also give them $500? For Adele Borden, 73 years old, she got pulled over for running a stop sign. And instead of receiving a ticket for $250 for the fine, she was given a, not a check, but a five, uh, five $100 bills in an envelope. Now, she only lives on her own Social Security. She's a widow. No wonder she said to the policeman, I've never had anything like this in my life. Now, you may not know this, but she's smiling there. I don't know if you can see that. This is Christian Summers. You can tell she's smiling. Christian was caught going 35 in a 20 school zone. When the lights came on, she thought, there goes my car payment down the toilet. When the officer came up to her car with a $500 envelope, she experienced a different kind of flush. For Reggie Holmes, he was not wearing a seatbelt when he was, that was about to cost him $250. He had that set aside for Christmas gifts for his grandchildren, but after he received the cash, he said, Christmas came early for me this year. Three very different people, all very similarly had broken traffic laws. They all deserved the fines that came with those tickets. But instead of mercy, instead of just a warning ticket, they rolled out of there with grace. Something that was beyond what they deserved. It's something that they didn't deserve. And I, I, I sat down and I thought, that, that's a wonderful thing, God. 500 bucks, don't get it. $500 not having 250 pulled out of your account, that's $750 in one moment. Boom. Boom. And yet that doesn't even scratch the surface of what Christ does for every single one of you. Every single one of you. Because I'm telling you, what you get pulled over for in this life because of some things that you've said and things that you have done is a lot more costly than 750 bucks. It cost God his son to pay the price for the judgment you deserved. Now, I know this is not something we talk a lot about at Christmas time because this is, the, this is when the baby came. But this is why the baby came. Because this is the gift we needed most. This is what we needed grace in most in our life. And that's why Luke says it took a lot more than just one or two angels to talk about this joy. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now you may not know this, but the heavenly hosts there literally means armies of angels. And so don't you know this little concert in the pasture was unbelievable to these shepherds who are watching it. Forget Handel's Messiah. Forget the, what is it called, the, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. This is, are you kidding me? So much so that they didn't just go, oh, bravo. They left those sheep there in that pasture. And Luke says they made a beeline to the place where all this took place. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. That never gets old for me. And honestly, something just seems to fit about all of it. Unacceptable shepherds in an unacceptable barn, an unacceptable couple, giving birth to a Savior to save unacceptable people like you and me. These ragamuffins come with beer on their breath and dirt under their fingernails to see a king. All just seems to fit that God's trying to, to get in motion, to get going. And he doesn't invite the religious elite. He doesn't invite some celebrity to stop by on the occasion. God uses lowly shepherds, ragamuffin, ordinary shepherds to announce his extraordinary son's arrival. That seems to fit what the, the king is going to say a little bit later about his kingdom. In my kingdom, the last will be first and the first will be last. Wow, even at his birth, he's launching a mission to include the excluded. I don't know how long the shepherds hung out with Mary and Joseph that night, but we can appreciate their response to such an amazing encounter. Because Luke says last, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So what do we do with all this? I hope the first thing you do is receive it. That's what you do with the best of news, the best of gifts. You just receive it and you enjoy it and you open it and you unpack it and you try it on and you make a snow angel in it. Receive it. Any of you here who walked in here feeling like you're on the margins, you're part of the excluded, Jesus says, no way, not with me, not today. The red lights have come on. And he's pulling you over, friend. Not to give you a ticket, but to give you grace. And to say, if you want to, every sin in your life, forgiven today. Not just today, but every sin in the future, forgiven today. If you put your trust in my son, this baby that we're talking about in this season. But we're not stopping there. Not only will you be forgiven, I want to to give you a gift, the power of the Holy Spirit to come live inside you, to help you live a life you never dreamed you could, you could understand or live in. It's the gift that keeps on giving. That's what we call that this series, called this series just that. And I got to tell you, if I can just be transparent for just a moment, it takes some stopping in this season of Okay, now what does Lauren have on Pinterest? And, and um, do, you, do you use this 20% off coupon when you give it to? It takes some stopping. And so I've tried, and I hope you will too. This baby came from me. This sacrifice that he made on the cross was for me. This stone being rolled away and this Christ walking out was for you. Yeah. Because he did not want you to go another day with thinking that you were on the margins. That you're amongst the left out, the left over, the less. The Savior has come for all people, and that especially means you. It means you. So receive it. But don't stop there. That's not where the shepherd stopped. 
Share it. Okay? These lowly shepherds who, whose testimony couldn't be used in court, who people probably questioned about what they were talking about. Are they making this up? Did they have a little too much tequila out there in the, in the pasture? They heard something in their story that changed their lives, and you're part of the reason why we're even talking about it today. At my house, one of the holiday traditions that Gil and I don't see eye to eye on is Christmas lights. She's multicolored on the Christmas tree, and I am straight white. Go ahead and change it, guys. How many straight white Christmas lights? How many colored? Well, okay, lovely people but not brilliant people. <laughs> love white lights. Well, we love each other, and so we alternate. She gets colored one year, and then I get the, the straight white the next year until our daughter decided that she needed to borrow our Christmas tree of colored lights. So for the last seven years, this is what we've had at our house, the straight white, because my wife loves me. But I came home the other night, and, and some interesting elf, some covert elf had done this. <laughs> Without asking. There it was. And I love them. I really do love both, but I, I like the white ones better. But you know what I love most is that when I see those lights, I get to choose who I watch them with. I don't care whether they're colored, whether they're white, as long as she's there. And you know what? The choice of what lights are on your Christmas tree isn't going to matter. But if you don't choose to allow Jesus Christ to illumine your life, that light, that light choice is going to matter. And so I'm praying that you welcome the light of Jesus Christ into your life this holiday season if you've never done that before. I hope Elaine is just the start of an entire army that says, count me in this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we come to you believing that you really are the gift that keeps on giving. And we thank you. We thank you with all of our hearts that you would set aside the luxuries that heaven has to have to come and get in this mess with us ragamuffins, but you did. And Father, I'm praying that uh, this Christmas season, that some way, somehow, there will be others who hear this incredible story and are moved to say, I want in on it. I, I, I don't think it's just another Christmas myth. I, I believe that this is my story. And Father, if they're here today, would you please nudge them like you nudged Elaine? to find Ricky, to come find me, find one of our elders, or even today to come say, I don't want to leave this building without becoming a Christ follower myself. I don't want to leave here without the light of Jesus Christ in my life. Father, thank you so much for what you've done for us. We want to receive it, but we also want to share it. So Holy Spirit, move us to go do that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. I have tried to preach this story this morning. But we've got another young maiden who wants to sing this story. And I pray as well as you've listened uh, to me preach, I hope that you'll listen as she sings. Tara.